Hello and welcome to Nerds from the Crypt Podcast. Once again, I want to thank every one of you for listening and downloading the shows. And remember, the best way to support the show is to share it with your friends and do not forget to subscribe. Now for today, we do not have a new episode out, but instead I've reached into the vault and found one of our lost episodes. It is the one where Nick and I review Creep Show. Way back when we first started the podcast, yes, our episode one, where 11.22.63 was the unofficial start to the podcast. This one is the official start of the podcast. And in fact, you'll notice a slightly different name that we had before we actually changed it to Nerds in the Crypt. This was uh, way before we knew what we were doing, as if we actually know what we're doing right now. But you'll notice that the audio isn't the best. Um, the, the editing is even worse, is even worse um, from way back um, over a little bit more than a year ago. But I wanted to go ahead and put this episode out there again. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, yeah. Okay, guys, here we go. You see that crap? All that horror crap? Things coming out of crates and eating people, dead people coming back to life, people turning into weeds for Christ's sake. Well, yes, I did, but I... Well, you want him reading that stuff? No, but... All right, then. I took care of it. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us here for the podcast from the crypt, where we'll be discussing Creep Show. And this is our first full podcast where we'll be... Like I said, we said in our introduction, we're just going to be discussing our love for horror films... And um, this is one of the, the films that we found out that we really, really enjoy and really love. And it's 1982's Creepshow, a horror anthology film that was uh, a collaboration of Stephen King um, and George A. Romero. When was the first time you saw Creepshow, Nick? Um, probably when I was around 10, 11 years old. Yeah, because... Um, the, the way we used to watch videos and all movies, because over here in the Netherlands, TV isn't really that good. We used to have only <laughs> like a few channels, so there weren't a lot of movies on. But we went to like the nearest video store and rent movies. Mm-hmm. And it was always like a giant horror section that had like all the like cheesy 80s um, horror movies. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, Creep Show is sort of the pinnacle of the cheesy um, <laughs> 80s horror. Yeah, and, and it's, um, I think it's actually considered a black comedy. Um, because, it is. Yeah. It is, because, like, it's so over-the-top ridiculous that it's it's not, like, there's nothing really scary about it. At least I didn't think so. Yeah, it, is, it has a horror element, but... In, in reality, it's it's more of a comedy. It is a we were talking about this. It's more of an homage to the uh, Tales from the Crypt um, comic books and other the, the other comic books that came out during that time. And it it was filmed that way, and you even have the graphics of of comic book graphics cut into the film. Okay, so Creep Show came out in 1982, like like I had said, and it consists of five tales with a prologue and epilogue. Um, Wrapping the tales up in, in one nice little um, present for us, and the, um, the prologue itself is a kid who is uh, getting in trouble from by from his dad uh, because he's reading these horror uh, horror comics. I told you before, I didn't want you to read this crap. I never saw such rotten crap in my life. Where do you get this shit? Who sells it to you? 
I'm talking to you, young man. You want to answer me when I'm talking to you. You remember who puts the friggin' bread on the table around here, don't you? Stan, don't be too hard on him. All the kids read him. My boy isn't all the kids. You want to know where this is going, Billy? In the garbage. Right into the friggin' garbage. Now, you got any smart mouth about that? Interesting enough, the kid that uh, appears in this uh, prologue is actually Joe Hillstrom King, um, Stephen King's son. Oh, really? Yep. And oh, his... See, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, like I said, uh, Billy's getting yelled at and even slapped around by his father for reading the Creepshow comic book, which is where we're actually getting our stories from. After he throws it away, it opens up, and we open up to our first couple of uh, of tales here. The first tale in Creepshow is Father's Day. And... Um, you were telling me something about this uh, specific uh, tale, Nick. Um, yeah. Well, afterwards, um, I, I, you know, went to find some facts about this movie. There weren't a lot of them because it's mainly just, you know, old news. <laughs> um, but the first story, because, um, is written specifically for this film, um, because most of these stories were originally written as short stories. Yes. Um, where Stephen King just like released them sort of like in a paper somewhere or in a collection of books or in like some sort of mini novelization of something. Um, but this one was specifically written for this one. It, it starts off with the, with a group of uh, family members talking about their old, um, their old, what is it, great aunt, um, Bedelia. Who is yeah. um, on her way, and it looks like she's speeding. Um, looks pretty crazy in, in this in this intro introduction here. Um, speeding towards uh, the house, and it, what we get from the family members is that it's Father's Day, and Bedelia is going to head out to the grave of her father, who was um, not the greatest person <laughs> from from what we get from the from the film. And he was, he pretty much, it looked like he had his daughter trapped in that house and she couldn't really do anything because of him, because of his uh, insistent demands. And um, he looked, looked like he was a pretty emotional abusive to her. Horribly overdone. <laughs> it, it's one of those movies where you just start laughing just by the acting of it. Yeah. Um, it, this is like my least, well, almost my least favorite part of it because it's, it's the acting in it is so horribly bad that you're just laughing from start to finish from yeah. <laughs> and it's not the best story that that king has has made um but um it, it's a, it's a good opener and like i said uh she's heading out to the to the graveyard to um pretty much have a heart of heart to with her dead father and we get the backstory that Bedelia actually killed her father uh, during Father's Day, after one of these uh, um, abusive moments where he was just he was asking for his cake, he he really really wanted cake and. Yeah. 
I'm your father. You're supposed to be taking care of here for. You're just like all the others. You're nothing but a bunch of vultures. It's kind of, it's, yeah. And uh, Bedelia pretty much has it, has it um, out for her. And we get to the graveyard, and Bedelia's pretty much drinking. Uh, she's drunk off her off her ass. She's been drinking whiskey. Uh, I don't know how long she's been drinking that whiskey's bottle's pretty down there. Um, it's almost gone. And I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, the father uh, had her fiance killed. That's why it pretty much put her over the top to the point where he she killed him with this ashtray, this marble ashtray. And oh yeah, that yeah. This is where because we, we don't really get a uh, reason or for what's going to happen next, but um, we hear Bedelia just pretty much bad mouthing him, talking bad about him. She spills her whiskey. The peaceful. We get a zombie father father coming out of the grave, and uh, he still wants his cake. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> um, what were you? What do you think of the of the effects here, the the, the makeup and and all that? Um, well, actually, for the time, they were really low budget, horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at them now, you just start laughing because you can see better zombies at Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually enjoy even even though it's not aged uh, very yeah. well. I actually really there's, enjoy it. Um, there's like a factor to it where it's just it's fun. It's it's not supposed to be scary. It's not supposed to be well. It probably was back then, but it's like if you look at it now. It, it's just funny, and that's why it kind of. Yeah. Happened. Tom Savini is the one who made the effect for this film. He's appeared in quite a bit of, of uh, movies, but he he appeared in Night of the Living Dead. Um, he's appeared in uh, Tell from the Dark Side in, in a couple of se- in the segment here. Um, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Dust from Dust of Dawn. He's the one with the with the um, pistol in his crotch, and. Um, I, oh. Yeah, and he was the one actually did the special effects for Friday the Thirteenth, um, and the J- Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. So he oh, he's been for around the horror. Second. for the second one, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's <laughs> been around the <laughs> so he's been around horror for for a while, and he's he's got his resume in horror. But uh, like I said, it's not the best, but it's not. It, I actually like it. Um, and I enjoy practical effects more than CGI, uh, for the most part. Some 
CGI just goes over the top and makes it less believable than the old practical effects? Yeah, it, it all depends on the level of, like, and, and just the quality. I mean, you can make something with CGI that looks as scary as anything yeah. like that, that you can make with practical effects. Um, it's just back then, you know, in, in the 80s, there was no CGI. Like, they, I think they made Tron, like, a couple of years earlier. <laughs> Tron was, the, like, one of the first movies with CGI, and everything was just a big cube. Yeah, and everybody was losing their minds out of that, off from that. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we see now that I mean, Tron, even though it's aged horribly um, for what it was, like, it's one of those things that was like, like just like this film. It's, even though it's aged horribly, uh, it actually is um, pretty. I actually think it's pretty well remembered because of what they did at that time. So, um, like I said, we don't really get an explanation as to what happened, why we have this zombie father come out, other than the whiskey gets spilled onto the headstone. And if I remember correctly, whiskey is supposed to be like water of life or something like that. So I guess that's what they're going with, with what happened there. Yeah, that's the, um, the Irish name for whiskey mm-hmm. um, is water of life, Ushkabata or so- Ushkabata. Um, which means water of life. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing that's where they were going with that, even though they didn't try to explain it to us. So, um, but Delia gets taken out really quickly here in this story. Um, even I, I, even if she had time, because this it's not a fast moving monster, <laughs> not at all. Um, but no. even then, she was pretty drunk, so I don't even think she was going to go anywhere. So she's gone, and you know the family members are dancing inside the house and, and, and so forth, and it gets dark, and no one's even thought of even going looking for Bedelia. She's been gone for I don't know how long already. She never came into the um, into the house, and um, it's, who is it, uh, Ed Harris? Yeah, we should note that the rest of the um, people that are in the house that are there to celebrate Father's Day um, are all horrible people. Very um, one by one, you sort of know why they are horrible people, like the, the conversation that they have and just the way they act. And um, in the end, you sort of want this this revenant to just come out and just kill them one by one, just to shut them um, up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm not really like rooting for you know either team. I'm just like you know. Just, like, make it all end bloody and disgusting, and it's fine. <laughs> and, yeah, and like I said, one of these one of these um, per- people here is actually the, uh, what is it, grandson-in-law, <laughs> what would you call it, um, of, of the zombie now. And it's uh, Ed Harris, and... Uh, I don't know if I don't think it's his first movie, but it's one it's it's one of his earlier movies back in the in the eighties, and um, doing some horrible dancing. I like to add, and um, he's the, he's actually the one that goes out to goes out to figure out what, like what's going on. I don't know I don't know if he went out there just to figure out what's been happening, but he's he starts to figure out like hey, you know she never came in whatever. And she he trips into the grave. Which seems to, it looks like the zombie decided to dig out his old grave and, and he falls in and he sees the zombie over him. And here's one, one thing that I thought it was hilarious that Ed Harris's character just sits there or lays there with the, the zombie coming over him. And, um, 
he could have got out of that out of that grave pretty easily. That like I said, that zombie's not the fastest moving thing um, to where the point where he if you moved, you would have gone away. Yeah. <laughs> so what does he do? He he moves the headstone onto his head, right? He smashes his head with the headstone. Well, I think he does. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's out there. Um, not everybody dies in this in this section. Um, the next person that I know does he take out one more person before he gets to the final the final kill that we see at least? Eyes. Oh, let's see. I think um, I think the next kill is his last one. He takes out Bedelia. Yes. And he kills Ed Harris. Yes. And um, the other uh, woman that he takes out. I think there's one more. I can't remember her name. So he takes out Bedelia's sister. And yeah. um, I forget her name. Um, yeah. Uh, Sylvia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sylvia. Sylvia. Yeah. So uh, he takes out... Uh, he kind of surprises Sylvia at the end. And he... Um, we don't see her death. It's not till the her children actually walk in, and here comes Grandpa with um, comes in with with a cake, and it's uh, Sylvia's head, or is it Bedelia's head? It's one of those two girls. It's Sylvia's head. Yeah. Fathers, I got my cake. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Yeah. And just I got my cake. <laughs> yeah. uh, it ends with him finally getting his cake. And and the, the you know the zombie actually looks pretty uh pretty happy to have his cake. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure the the other people got met their end at, at the zombie, uh, but we don't get to see what happened. And once again, like I said, since this is in the style of the comic books. We do see the comic book kind of panel um, zoom out, and the page flips to our next story, which is the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, which actually is Stephen King's first role on film. And oh, so I, like all of them? Yeah, that, that was that was his first, very first time that he appears on on film, actually uh, acting. I don't know if he's come out before, just kind of just in the background or anything like that. But he, mm-hmm. this is the first time he actually acts, um, and we can tell this is the first time he's acting. Um, he's very bad. <laughs> yeah, and this is this one right here. This I think every tale has its different um, style of uh, what it's supposed to be, and this one I, I feel like this one's supposed to be a lot campier than the rest of them, and you can tell. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't know if. Because Stephen King, first of all, let, let's face it, Stephen King's not the best actor. We've seen him in other in other um, films, but I feel like I feel like some of this was the actual direction of Romero, telling him this is what I want from you, this is what I want in this particular story, and so I think it's a combination of both things. Um, yeah, I mean Romero has done sort of over the top characters, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. It, it, it's also very Stephen Kingy, like the the guy he plays this complete, you know, backwards guy, sort of you know lives in a swamp pretty much. Reminds you know, me of the yokel like, from um, from The Simpsons. <laughs> well, um, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think mm, character might be based on that. <laughs> so it is. Um, this story is based on the short story Weeds uh, that Stephen King wrote, and like we said before, it was published in a, in a in either a magazine. I know a lot of his stories were published in Playboy and all that, um, but this was one of the older stories he had, and it follows Jordy Verrill um, the, from the from the title, and he's this uh, backwards, uh, dim-witted person uh, who who was able to see a meteorite that has uh, landed in his in his property and right away he thinks what is the first thing you think of when you see meteorite land on your property you uh you decide to go pick it up and you can sell it to the local college for a two hundred dollar loan or to pay his two hundred dollar loan <laughs> yeah. um and we see this is why i say it's this this particular story is supposed to be a lot campier than the rest of them because we we look into his mind and we see the the um, what he's thinking of, and he's not the only one that's playing it up. It's the other actor, and it's only one more actor in this in this particular story, um, who plays the rest of the rest of the characters. This one actor is hamming it up pretty much himself as well. Yeah. So he first of all, this um, I'm, I don't I don't remember the name of the actor, but he is um, plays the the person at the college who says, oh. Um, yeah, it's sort of doctor or lab guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he plays his father. Yes. And so um, Jordy decides he wants to pick up the, the meteorite, but it's too damn hot. So he, what does he do? Of course, when it's, something's hot, you douse it with water, right? ever seen anything else or have you ever um, experienced anything that's really hot and you kind of just cool it off way too fast um, it's not the best thing to do with, with, with things that like that way in this case the meteorite cracks open and a um, green glowing uh, goo comes out of it and he which touches it in, in his um, with his finger and then he <laughs> he says one of the weirdest things I've ever heard on, on film Meteor ship. <laughs> you keep saying that. Yeah, um, but it, it it looks like it burns him, and he and he um, he's not sure exactly what's going on. So he once he's broken it, he's distraught because now he's like, what? Who's gonna pay money to get a broken meteorite? So he's like, you know what? Whatever. I'll I'll super glue it or whatever. I'll do, I'll figure a way to fix it, and I can sell it back to them to the. Um, to the college so we see that he starts to itch um he's not sure exactly what what it is and he actually licks his finger 
Um, I don't even know if he looks down at his finger because his finger looks pretty nasty at that time already. And he licks it. Um, later on, I don't know if he falls asleep or something, but he wakes up with uh, all this kind of um, green stuff over his his, um, uh, his face. Um, yeah, like the vines. Yeah, yeah. Jordy at this point is um, starting to become concerned because this thing is starting to spread all over his body. He's starting to get itchy. He goes to the... <laughs> He goes to the restroom to check um, in his pants. Oh, no! Not there! <laughs> uh, I, I, like I said, uh, this, this, um, this section of this tale actually has some pretty funny funny uh, moments and lines. and I mean, lines that you wouldn't be like, what the hell? Um, this is like this section is just it's so bad that it's funny. Yes. It's not so funny that it's bad or so funny that it's good. No, it's so bad that it's funny. Yeah, and I think you because of that you um at least I give it some more leeway because it is bad. It's bad acting. Um, it's really hamming it up, but it's just so funny that that uh, that I. <laughs> Really enjoying this one as well. Um, so he decides he's gonna get in the in the in the in the shower because he or in the bath because he's he thinks that's gonna cause the itching to, to calm down. And this is where he thinks of his father or he imagines his father pretty much telling him, "Hey, you get in there, you're 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 goner. You know, it's, this is looks like a plant. So guess what? Water is gonna make it grow faster." Um, and what does he I mean? He pretty much decides that he is uh, a goner already, so he decides to uh, bathe in the water. Next morning, we wake we wake up and he is covered in this um, alien grass or, or vegetation that's been growing all over him. And um, we see him pick up a sh- shotgun and pretty much end himself because he's. Um, and he said something about, like, you know, nothing ever goes right for him, but hopefully this will. And sad to see uh, end for him um, and, and it's a lonesome death of Jordi Vero I don't, I don't um, see more uh, anything more happening for him but I mean he kills himself uh, we have the forecast come on and in today's weather well not much for the outdoor types but you farmers are going to love this the current 30 day forecast released by the US meteorological station at Portland calls for moderating temperatures and lots of rain Castle County is going to turn green so fast in the next month that it's going to be almost miraculous. Saying it's going to be uh, weeks of, uh, or days or weeks of rain coming in the next couple days. So we're left to believe that this thing's going to take over a good chunk of uh, real estate. Well, the planet, really. Yeah. Um, Because you sort of, like, get the idea that you know, it started with him, and it's just growing, you know, out of proportion, and it just, it's going to cover the world in a couple of days. Yeah. Um, 
overall thoughts on, on Lonesome Death of Jordi Rivera? Um, yeah, like I said, it's it's so bad that it's funny. Um, <laughs> if you want to skip any bits of the movie, it's this bit because it's <laughs> really not like of all of it, it's the worst. Um, yeah, not much <laughs> more to say. <laughs> horrible actor. Um, great, great writer, just horrible actor. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the next one's my favorite, so I think we should just go on to the next one. Yeah. So once again, we get our our uh, comic book pan out and go into the next story, and it's something to tide you over with the awesome <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. He used to be like a serious TV actor. Yes. Yes. Um, like a couple of really serious TV uh, shows, and then I think, like even like at the in the seventies, that's when really his um, you know his his comedy acting came into play. Yeah, because if you look at like what he's done, this guy has an incredible like IMDb page. You just like look at it for hours and hours. Yeah. Um, Airplane was his first comedic role in nineteen eighty. And this movie was, you know, just a couple of years after it. So people still sort of remembered him from all the series acting he's done. Because he was in, like, a lot of TV shows and movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, and I, from, from this story, I actually wish he'd done... Afterwards, I think I wish he would have done more of uh, this type of role. Because um, he's our villain in this, in this story. <laughs> yes and no. Um, see, I like this one the most because I know Leslie Nielsen just as a comedic actor. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up with watching him in like all the comedic movies that he's done. Um, and I've never really watched any series acting he's done because those, you know, shows and stuff were all way before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, um, role is sort of like you know eye-opening to me like you know he was actually he's because he's pretty um scary in this yes he is because he's like he doesn't um have really doesn't have any emotions from what it seems and yeah i i really liked it but i like it because he's to me more known as a comedy actor so you you feel like it it's because of uh, us knowing him as a comedy actor that it's so much scarier because we don't realize that he can act, act as, um, as a scary person. Yeah. I, I can see that, yeah. So, um, Leslie's a character named Richard, and he's this, uh, this crazy wealthy man who pretty much in, in, in the story itself, uh, we have another great uh, actor in Ted Danza. He is actually the rival to to Richard um, in this uh, story. And it, from what it looks like is that um, did you, do you have a Ted's uh, Ted Danza's uh, character name? Uh, Harry. Harry. Okay, so yeah. we, Harry has pretty much stolen Richard's wife, and. I don't see that Richard really loves his wife. It's more of like, you took something from me and now you're going to pay for it. You know, you got to be grateful to us. You know that? I mean, if you ever loved her, you don't now. 
There won't be any uh, alimony, none of that community property shit. She just wants out. Well, I don't know whether I ever loved you or not, Harry. That doesn't matter. Point is, I keep what is mine. No exception to that rule ever. It's it's like he um um Richard treats the wife as a like a status symbol, as a mm-hmm. piece of property, really. And Harry actually has feelings for her. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Richard, it seems that he has no emotions. I don't know if he had any before, you know, this bit in the movie. Like, that he sort of, you know, shut himself off from the world. That could be very well be possible. But to me, he was... I think he's always been this emotionless sort of sociopath. Because, you know, he's very rich. He bought his own island. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a correlation between the super rich and sociopaths. So, <laughs> I, I think there is something there. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and um, it's Harry and Becky. I believe from the story, I think they said that they're actors, and that's how they met. Um, or either way, they, they met... They met somehow, and, and Harry and Becky decided that they're gonna run off. Part I don't remember, honestly. Yeah, I, I believe that they're actors. I'm not sure because I, I know later on Harry tells uh, Richard that that he has money, that he'll give him money. But really, I mean, Richard is even more wealthier than him. So Becky is has been uh, captured by Richard. Got something I want you to hear. tells Harry that you, you need to come with me if you want to see her. If you come with me, do what I tell you, you'll be able to see her. And he takes him out to the to the island and um, at first it looks like there's, cause there's this bucket on, on the ground and, and Richard makes it look like there's there, under the bucket is going to be Becky's head. Yeah. Um, but no, there's nothing there. And pretty much Richard says, hey Harry, you know, uh, pick up that shovel. And uh, pretty much bury yourself under uh, up to your neck in in the sand, uh, which um, Harry doesn't want to do. But Richard has a gun, so you know either get shot or cover yourself in the in the sand. Once again, this is like we're saying. Lesingson's character here is so scary. Um, I and I actually buy it. This is not this is not like Stephen King playing the the character, not or even in the first first. Oh no. In the first story, some of those characters, the way they talk, look really over the top. This, even though this is over the top, this is believable for me to as far as the character goes. I, I believe it, yeah. and it's scary. He's literally deadly serious. Yes. Um, there is no comedic sort of edge to like the way he plays it. That's why I said like he's a ruthless sociopath. Yeah. And he plays that very well, which is the scariest part. And I, I like the way he um, he comes back after after Harry's been covered covered himself up to his neck already. He comes back just like running running with his big old long of cable. Uh, that must have been long long cable. Just just 
<laughs> just to put it out there. But he comes out there and he puts, Florida? yeah, he, he connects the TV. <laughs> and this is what part I like. He, he connects the TV and then he goes, and he just starts talking to him. He goes, you know, this is really good uh, picture quality. And, <laughs> and he turns on the TV and on the TV he has Becky, who is, um, he has her in the same position as he does, but no, who knows how far from him. And so they're both buried in the sand, and water is starting to come in. And he pretty much tells them, you know, um, hope you can hold your breath because um, the tide's starting to come in. You might be able to get out of here, but you're going to need to hold your breath. Oh, the tide. Coming in. Getting later. So I'll have to trot along now. Wait, 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 wait. No. You enjoy the show. He's still the monitor short, sir. Right, right, come on, come on, stop it, stop it, stop it! Right, right. I really can't stay. Come on, come back here, Richard! I'm gonna get you. You hear me, Richard? You hear me, Richard? I'm gonna get you! I'm gonna hold your breath there, Harry. Hold your breath. And so far, in so this story, there's, there's nothing scary going on. It's, I mean, it's scary, but not, not a horror element going on in this particular story. And it's not until a little bit later on where Richard is in, the, in his apartment. And he is, uh, what is he doing? He, he looks like he's just pretty much going on with his day and um, hanging around in his, in, his little, in, his, in his house. He's got a couple of TVs where mm-hmm. he's like watching multiple heads, sort of in the same way. Yeah. Um, honestly, I have to say though, um, I think it's already sort of scary at the part where he, you know, he's buried and he's watching, you know, Becky on the TV, because you know that the tide's gonna come in when you know Ted Danson is, you know, there with the TV and, and the camera. Mm-hmm. So you know that it's impending doom, pretty much. Yes. And then Harry says to him, or not Harry, sorry, Richard says to him, like, there's two options. A, um, you're just going to drown. Um, you know, you can hold your breath and you can try and warm out. But, you know, at one point, the ocean's just going to come in and you can't breathe anymore. And then there's option B, where the tide just, you know, washes away some of the sand around you. And you let you let the tide pull you out. Yeah, those are really sort of his options. But the second one, if you know anything about sand and tides, you know that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he just leaves after that and sort of watches on the TV. Uh, so he has in his house. I guess he I guess he falls asleep and when he wakes up, he can't find him on the TV. So he actually freaks out and he's and he goes out there to. Um, to look look for them and they're gone. The TV's gone. <laughs> the one he left out there is gone. The cord is cut and the, and they're gone. Um, and I guess he was like, oh crap! Hopefully they didn't, hopefully they didn't get away. But I mean, it's kind of hard to think that they did get away because there's there's no there's nothing to show that they actually were able to walk away from that. So he kind of just dismisses it and goes back home. Um, yeah, I think he goes with the idea that they washed out when he died or yeah. something. 
But uh, of course, uh, later on that night, we start. This is where the true horror, as far as like you know, uh, supernatural. Maybe that's what I was looking yeah. for. Supernatural um, elements start coming in, and later on the night, you start hearing just you know the wind blowing. You start hearing things, and he starts to freak out because he's starting to hear things. And um, who comes in? But the, both um, Harry and Becky, and they're very zombie-like in this one. Um, what do you think of the, the, the effects on this and on, on them? Um, actually a bit better. Um, mm-hmm. it looks more like the, um, the actual Romero zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and not as much as the ones from the Father's Day, uh, one. Um, <laughs> the Father's Day one looked like it was just like a mask put over, like I said. Yeah, and, and they all sort of look like they've been in water for a long while, so it's sort of dripping and stuff. And Which was one thing, yeah. that, like I like the, the makeup and all that, and I don't, and that doesn't take away from the uh, from the story. But it, they seem to be a lot more rotten and consumed from for the time that they've been gone. I, I'm guessing this is the same day, but I, we don't know. We don't know if it's actually the same day or not, but. Um, if it is the same day, it seems like they've, been, they've decomposed a lot in that time frame. Well, it's water, uh, salt water, so that oh, would true. be very fast. But <laughs> I think I think there's no reasoning then. I think it's just like it's supernatural. Their revenants, yeah. you know, they're gonna look like that, and that's the complete stage. And what I like is that he decides, like, you know, who cares? I'm gonna, uh, I, I, I have a gun. I can, I know what to do against zombies. I know, I know what to do. <laughs> and he just shoots one in the head, and um, yeah, it doesn't work. I, and I like this effect where he shoots her in the head, and just, uh, just green water just starts losing out. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> and they goes, and they even tell him, you can't shoot us dead. He goes, Richard, we're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> Put them in the same position they were in, and um, one of the one of the weirdest uh, ending lines. Um, <laughs> I can hold my breath for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, this like is a, actually where he does a bit of overacting. Yeah. Like that line. Everything else is pretty much very, very serious and very scary. But this line is just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, uh, I guess it works for the for that for him. But um, yeah, uh, like you said, one of the uh, one of the better 
stories, um, if not the best story in in these um, this collection. Yeah, it's my favorite. This is the longest. I think this is the longest one of the. No, no, the next one's the longest one, I believe. Um, yeah, the crate. Longest the, one. Yeah, the crate is the next story, and um, based on the story, the crate. Um, and we start off with the custodian, who I don't know what he's doing, but he's flipping a coin. I think he said later on he didn't know what to do, so he decided to flip a coin to see what the next task he was going to do. Um, and he drops the coin in under this uh, basement stairs, and um, there's this box that kind of gets his, his curiosity. And I would think the custodian wouldn't, wouldn't know what's under these stairs, wouldn't they? I mean, he's clean down there. He's uh, That place doesn't look too clean for, for what they show. Yeah, I think it's sort of flipping the coin and, you know, the place sort of looking like a mess. Sort of tied together. Maybe he's not. He hasn't been down there because <laughs> yeah, he's, like, he's been uh, like, should yeah, I clean this place or not? Hear yeah. that much as well. <laughs> so yeah. So um, he finds his crate in there. Um, he's not able to get in, but it, I think it says that that crate's been at that time of the of the of the movie. It says that the crate's been out down there for about 150 years around there, and. It's in the 1800s when it's labeled. So he decides to call um, one of the professors. So I thought I ought to call you anyway. Uh, see what you thought, Professor Stanley. Uh, who told you I was here? Charlie Garrison. Yeah, I sent him out for a hamburger. Just about twisted his arm. That kid don't know if it's night or day when he gets going. Yeah, he's very dedicated. Look, uh, I'd be almost willing to bet that crate's full of National Geographic uh, back issues of the Reader's Digest. Well, the date on it said 1834. Did they uh, publish the Reader's Digest way back then, Professor Stanley? 1834? Really? Yeah. The stencil right on the side. June 19, 1834. And then something about uh, an Arctic expedition. Oh, maybe there's something more interesting in your crate than National Geographic Center, or my. And this is uh, where we meet... Um, actually, I think we meet the professor beforehand. But the, um, we meet Dexter Stanley, uh, who is a professor at the college, and we meet one of his um, his buddies, Charlie, who is uh, more of a skeptical skeptical person, and he's married to a horrible, horrible woman. She is a horrible person. <laughs> she just constantly annoys him and nags him, and not just that sort of. You know, humiliates him in front of other people, and yeah, which I think I think that really is more more of, of why I think people dislike her. I mean, she's really bad, but um, is that he? She doesn't care about who what she's saying in front of who she's saying it. She's just like out yeah. there, you know, you're nobody. Pretty much saying her, you're you're nothing without me. And what I like about this beginning of when we first meet her is that he shoots her in the head in his mind. And then you get everybody just like, yeah, she deserved it. And they start clapping. <laughs> oh, yeah, the <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Because everyone in the department is looking to put the knife in. I mean, some of these so-called academics make the shark in Jaws look like fucking flipper. Wilma! It's calling you, Billy. Oh, God, Henry, what's wrong now? Not a thing, Wilma. 
So this is the time where we see that um, Dexter gets the call from the janitor, and and he goes out there to see what's going on. It intrigues him because of the time frame, you know, how long it's been out there. And uh, they get it out. They're able to cut the and they're about to open the box, the crate. And the janitor says, "I think I heard something in there." Which Dexter says, "You know, well, you know, if there is something in there, I doubt it's going to be alive after 150 years or so." And well, yeah, we meet the end of the janitor right after they open that crate. Did you hear that? <laughs> Something in there, huh? Looks like a couple of emeralds. <laughs> <laughs> From what I know, the in the story of the crate, the creature is is more like a Tasmanian devil. Uh, but here we get something more of uh, like the abominable snowman or something like short version of the abominable snowman. Um, yeah, it's it's just like a critter because Tasmanian devils are actually really cute little animals. Um, <laughs> Not the one from the cartoon, but actual Tasmanian devils. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's sort of like a miniature Yeti or something like that. Sort of like um, in, in Brain Dead, you know, the weird monkey thing. Yeah. Sort of like that. Yeah, it's it's um, I, I kind of like the the look of it. So if they, if they changed it from the Tasmanian devil to this thing, I I like it. They um, one of the interesting little. I guess behind the scene things that they call them fluffy, um, when they would carry them around. And, um, so he looks really small, but he's really powerful. He's able to pretty much drag the, the, um, janitor into his, his crate. And I think he leaves an arm or something. He leaves something of, of his, um, with Dexter just freaking out and take off running. He didn't. <laughs> he looks like he wants to help him, but then he's like, ah, oh, screw this, I'm leaving. Um, the, the funniest thing is that when he pulls something or someone into a crate, uh, or into the crate, the crate is actually too small for a human plus one of those things, <laughs> no matter how big it is to fit in. Yeah. Like, the crate is about, you know, um, three foot tall at best, yeah. two and a half, and, you know, two foot wide. And it's it's not a big crate, but for some reason, just people get pulled into there, no problem. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, Dexter takes off, and he find he runs into a um, a student there at the, at the college who um, kind of dis- doesn't really know what what is going on. And actually, I, I think the student name is um, Charlie. It's not 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 the other. Not not the other doctor. So I think it's the student name's Charlie. Um, but he gets this he gets this um, the student to come in and look at what's going on. And he's skeptical at first, but then he goes in and he just sees a bunch of blood everywhere, and there's no crate. So the crate's gone somehow. And um, this guy starts to believe that this guy killed somebody, and. I don't know how the doctor convinces him to go on go look for the um, 
go go look under the stairs. If this guy was kind of freaking out already, you know, uh, like this guy, you killed somebody here and you just left blood everywhere, and now I'm gonna go trust you and go under the the stairs of the of the basement. Um, but he does. Well, I mean, it's one of those horror movie, uh, I guess, things where people do stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we meet the end of, uh, of, of the student here, um, and he gets pulled in after not believing what uh, Dexter was, was saying. And this is where we see the other doctor's name is Henry, not, not Charlie. The name's Henry. And uh, Henry is a little bit more calm about it. He wants to go. He's going to go take a look at what's going to happen. And, you know, he believes him. He believes him. Um, Wait, does he believe him, or does he go investigate, and then he decides, like, okay, I know what I'm going to do with this. I think he goes to check it out first. Yeah. So he he figure out what's happening, he helps him clean up, and Henry's wife comes, the horrible woman, which her name is Wilma, comes in and decides that, um, he decides that he's going to get rid of her at this point, and he writes her a letter. Wilma. I've had to leave in a hurry because of a call from Dexter Stanley. He seems to have gotten himself in a great deal of trouble. Wilma, could you come out here? And I believe he writes the story because he knows that it's going to capture Wilma's attention. This is something that she lives for, I think, this kind of drama and gossip. Because yeah. uh, right away she like starts to smile and she's like, oh, Dexter, whatever. And uh, so he gets her to go to the college and... Um, <laughs> she starts to berate him again because he goes, he, he gets her right where the crate, crate is and nothing happens. And he's like, Oh, come on, you're not going to come out. Um, and she starts to berate him again. And then the monster just like, You know, shut up. <laughs> just, I feel like the monster was just like, You know, shut up. I'm going to eat you just because you're, you're horrible. Same old Henry, afraid of your own shadow. You know what, Henry? You're a regular barnyard exhibit. Sheep's eyes, chicken guts, piggy friends, and shit for brains. No good at departmental politics. No good at making money. No good at making an impression on anybody. And no good at all in bed. When was the last time you got it up, Henry? Huh? When was the last time you were a man in our bed? Now get out of my way, Henry, or I swear to God you'll be wearing your balls for earrings. And I swear to God, if you ever touch me... Oh, just... Just tell it. Call you Billy. Um, that was my favorite death in this. It's because she's like, oh my god, she's like just yelling at him, and then all of a sudden he's like a bite to the neck. It reminded me, uh, did you ever watch Scary Movie? Uh, um, I think it's part two. One. I think oh. it's part two, where um, the girl is uh, yelling at the TV at the movie screen, and oh, uh, yeah, the girl's yelling at the at the at the at the theater. She's in, they're, in, they're in the movies, and she's yelling at the you know how in Scream. Uh, that girl was uh, talking to the to the like oh don't do that or whatever don't do this what's well, this is a, this is a parody of that part and instead of the killer getting her it's like all the different people 
people around her and just start stabbing her. Like, shut up! Oh, I remember that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Wilma's gone. She's, this guy was able to um, lock the crate up and take it take it out. He cleans up the, the college pretty good, and he tells Dexter that no one's ever going to find it again because he sinks it to the bottom of the... Of the, uh, what is it, a uh, lake? Or yeah, I'm not sure what it is. Dock or yeah. something and see him dropping it in the water. And, however, at the end of the, uh, the end of the story, we see that the creature is getting loose. It looks like the, the lock is broken. So now this guy's, uh, let this, uh, freaking monster out to, uh, kill us all. Go to the next story. They're creeping up on you. Which I couldn't find what story this was based on. I don't know if it's based on the same name. It talks about a rich businessman, a ruthless businessman, who is pretty horrible as well, you know. And this person... Else, most of it, like, the people that get killed deserve it in, yeah. in these movies. Except for maybe the two on the beach, um, uh, Harry and Becky. Well, they, they, they get killed by someone else. They don't get killed by the supernatural. Um, I think yeah. the supernatural uh, elements they get they take care of the horrible people. Although this was in the eighties and cheating was a bigger deal than I guess. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> um, but that's no reason to kill someone. People, please <laughs> do not kill for cheating. No, no, no. Do not. Do anything that. else? Well, mostly anything else. Do not kill people. That's bad. Yes. That was my public service announcement. <laughs> 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 So um, we get yeah, they this, all sort of deserve it. That's that's the point in this, this series, yeah. Yeah, because we we get this a businessman who is um, a germaphobe. He is living in this uh, sealed apartment, this nothing but white apartment, and he's got electric locks, surveillance cameras. He's pretty much distanced himself from the outside world. He doesn't want any germs in there. And during the episode, we he. I, it sounds like he killed his partner or he killed somebody and the widow's calling him to uh, pretty much, you know, um, tell him that she knows what he did. Um, this one is more ambiguous to me as far as what's going on because we, he, he starts to see these bugs appear. Um, they're not just bugs, they're, they're cockroaches. And he really wants them gone, and so he calls his exterminator, and the exterminator is not in the, available in the in the area. He's gone vacation, and, he's, and this guy just gets upset that he's not there available at the moment. And the reason I say this is more ambiguous as to what's going on is because he kills one of the bugs, and when he picks up his, his I don't know if it's his foot or his, he killed it with, with something, it's not there anymore. The bug's not there. And then we get a buzz over the intercom, and there's this guy outside, and who's just pretty much talking to him in a weird manner to my to me. Um, and is it, I don't know if it's I think he says it's a super, but but he talks to him in this like manner, like yes, I know who you are, I, whatever, just just chill out, whatever. Talk to me. Who's there? Good evening, there, Mister Pratt. Got bugs again, huh, Mr. Pratt? Don't you talk to me like that, you hear? What way, Mr. Pratt? Like I was crazy. Oh, no, sir, Mr. Pratt, sir. I don't think you was crazy, not at all. I was just trying to run down in my mind who might have a 24-hour fumigating service. I might be able to get 
Pirelli brothers out here by... Shall we say 11.30? You might go far, White. I've noticed that in service jobs, people like yourself often do. People of color. Yes, 11.30 would be fine. Thanks, Mr. Pratzer. I'll call them just as soon as I finish with that shower on 23. Do it first. Do it now. Yes, sir. Right now. Um, I was reading somewhere on, because I, uh, I belong in a Stephen King group uh, on Facebook, and hmm. someone brought up the, the fact that maybe he is in an insane asylum. And um, this uh, this super is actually insane. yeah, and the super is actually an orderly um, that would come in to look at him, and that's why he's talking to him the way he talks to him. He says yeah, whatever, whatever, you know, just kind of dismissing him, um, but at the same time just telling him you know no, I'm not making fun of you or no, I'm not talking you know um, in a certain way. And um, but we see we soon see that the cockroaches start to overrun him, and they. These cockroaches fill up the room, and then all of a sudden they're gone again. And um, we get a close-up of the, we get the super or the orderly or whatever coming, looking, looking for him. Uh, he doesn't answer. We see him on the ground, and there's no bugs around him. Of course, we we get the final scene where his body just starts to op- op- open up, and the cockroaches start bursting out of his mouth and body, and they re-envelop the the panic room that he's in or his his padded room that he's in. And um, I'm sorry, but the graphics for his head and, and all that is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I think the budget at this time was probably getting really low. Um, yeah. It was already really low, but <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. Um, it, it, honestly, this story, it's sort of okay. Um, it's not the worst, but it's definitely not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's sort of... a yeah, I guess it, now that you tell me that it could be the orderly, actually opens up a new sort of dimension to it. Um, the first thing I remembered when I saw the, um, the thing again was like, oh, I wish I had an apartment like that. <laughs> White and clean. Oh, amazing. Um, but, yeah, other than that, um, eh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, these stories, there's like a... a thousand of them because a lot of people are just freaked out by insects and stuff yeah yeah I, I remember seeing it with my like my mom like I said I, I watched many of these films with my mom and she hates cockroaches I mean a lot of people hate cockroaches um, but she really is just scared of them and she just started like even though they're on TV she was like oh my god she like, she couldn't watch this part because that's just how many cockroaches there there is in the in the on screen, and I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but those cockroaches there—they're I think they're they're hissing cockroaches, and I don't remember what country they brought them in from. Um, but they needed to get some sort of uh, um, someone chains, huh? chainsawing you. <laughs> no, it was um, some sort of motorbike or oh, okay. scooter. Or I was I was uh, thinking maybe Leatherface got to you or something. <laughs> But um, with a little tiny chainsaw. Yeah, no, I've got the window open, so like uh, okay. a scooter or a motorbike is on. Drove by. Uh, yeah. 
but yeah, the the cockroaches on on this um, in this uh, story, they're hissing cockroaches, and they needed to get some sort of um, permit to get them over, but they couldn't afford the full permit to be able to keep them here in in the country. So they actually got a temporary permit, which meant that they needed to keep track of all the cockroaches, count them every single time they bought them out, count them, and then keep track of the dead ones so that they can have an even amount of going back out of the out of the out of the country. So um, yeah, there I guess there's somebody's somebody's job was to count cockroaches. Oh, so the thing is, um, I really don't like cockroaches either, but we don't have them here in the Netherlands, oh. so I don't really know how to react to them. Um, I've heard stories like of, of people that, like, um, you know, especially uh, one of my friends, he's from uh, Curaçao, um, you know, one of the Dutch um, islands in South America. Mm-hmm. Um and they have a lot of cockroaches over there. Like, they have, like, a weekly cleaning in every hotel, pretty much. Wow. Because they come back, you know, naturally after yeah. a week. And, um, yeah, I've heard stories where they're just, like, you know, two, three-inch cockroaches coming out the sinks and stuff. <laughs> we don't have bugs bigger than, like, you know, meter, pretty much. So I really don't know how to sort of feel like when there's giant cockroaches coming out of like everywhere. What's uh, um, What's funny is that my my cousin, who if he hears this, is probably gonna be like, "What the hell, man?" <laughs> but um, he used to live in California, and they had cockroaches, right? And they're they're not as big over there. I I live in Texas. Te- Texas roaches are huge. And uh, his first time when they moved over here, he saw one. and He's like, "What the hell is that?" So I go, it's, it's a cockroach, don't worry about it. He goes, want me to get it? And I asked him, you want me to get it? And he's like, no, no, I got it, I got it. So he starts to try to, you know, try to smash it or whatever. And he misses, and the thing flies at him. He's like, oh my god, it flies! <laughs> I guess the ones in California don't fly, I don't know. Uh, but I, I just yeah, remember... I'm surprised that they fly as well, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, the ones in Texas fly. Um, so <laughs> I just remember, I just see him running away, and I'm like, oh my god. Like yeah, you can't miss them, man. You have to hit them. You have to you have to get them the first time around. If you miss them, they either get away or they fly at you. So you can tie a little string around its head and like keep it as a pet. <laughs> yeah, they do that with like bumblebees and stuff over here every now and then. Not as much anymore though. But like back in the eighties and nineties, like when kids had nothing to do, pretty much. Um, yeah, you get a bumblebee. Freeze it and tie a string around its foot and then wait till it defrosts and it flies off. <laughs> so, um, that was the last of the stories. And, um, what are, I wanted to go ahead and rank them. Um, and I kind of, based on what we've said, I think I kind of know what your, what your rankings of these are. But, um, I'd like to go ahead and just, just hear what, what you would, um, what is the, your favorite one, which is your worst, and what would you rank on this five, uh, one through five? One being the best and five being the worst. Yeah, well, you know, my best is something to tie you over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second best is probably the crepe. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it is sort of kooky and crazy, but it's, at least it's interesting to keep watching. Um, 
creeping up on you is my third favorite because, you know, until you told me the crazy angle, I didn't really find it that interesting, like that new. Mm-hmm. Um, Father's Day is like the second to last, and you know, Jordy Burrow is definitely the last. Um, I think I have them pretty much the same in the same order, um, I, but I would put Jordy ahead of Father's Day only because. I like the over the top of, of that particular story, and how it was so different from the other ones. Um, so I actually would put that fourth, and then Father's Day fifth. I wasn't really too um, amused with Father's Day, but uh, I I like the revenge angle from it from Father's Day. That's why I liked it a bit more. It's like because, a revenge on revenge on revenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and like I said, all these people that die kind of deserve it. So yeah. So um, that was those were the five stories there. We get the epilogue of of the story, which which we we talked about was at the beginning of the of the um, story. We get Billy, which is Joe Joe King, um, now known as Joe Hill now, but um, he was getting pretty much got hit by his father. His father was pretty much saying, "You're not going to be reading this garbage. Uh, you're not going to be bringing this into my house." And uh, he pretty much says he's the good guy because he is taking this away from his kid. But come on, you hit your kid. Um, the, the next morning, we see the garbage man, who is actually one of the garbage men actually played by Tom Savini himself. They find the the comic book and they're looking through it. And you know, you, they they bring up some things that you normally would find in comic book back in the day. My kids love these things. I love them too. Hey, look, look. You can send away for all this stuff here. Look. X-ray glasses. Nah, they don't work. They make your eyes black. You look in it, it's a gag, you know? Look, an authentic voodoo doll. Somebody already sent for it. Yeah, we can't get that. How about this? Tired of getting sand kicked in your face? <laughs> we go back to the house, and the, the father is um, in pain on his neck, and it really becomes started to get worse and worse and we moved to Billy who is actually laughing and jabbing at a voodoo doll of his father and uh, he gets the last Crazy revenge laughing. yeah <laughs> oh. 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 Oh, did you throw away my comic box oh. 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 ready for another shot dog I, lo- I, I actually like the way it ended. I loved it. I'm um, like, perfect ending to this movie who was kind of just out there. Um, it, it, it is for, for like, um, especially for someone like me and, and you who reads comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, like, basically is the story of a, like, horrible father who doesn't want his kid to read comic books. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Like the stories are comic book stories, and then in the end, you sort of get your revenge again, you know. Yeah, and so, I think that back in the day it was more, more back in the day than now, but it was really like read comic books is gonna rot your brain and, and stuff like that. So I think parents were a lot more against it than they are now. Yeah, like luckily mine weren't. Like I got my first comic books like really young. Um, my first Batman comic was um, the start of the um, um, where he breaks his back with Bane. Mm-hmm. That's really an arc, like in the 90s. 
Um, but like comic books are a lot more accepted into um, into literature here because um, a lot of like really famous comic book work is um, yeah pretty much like everywhere in libraries and stuff. Um, it's all European comic books though, so you won't know any of them. <laughs> Actually, the Smurfs—they're Belgian. Oh, you know them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know they were Belgian, but I knew they were they were from somewhere from from up in Europe. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the interesting thing is, is that the comic book in the in the movie was made specifically for the movie, but later on, they actually made a comic book out of the movie um, that had the stories in there. And, and my high school actually had this comic book, and it was actually in the form of a book, but it was um, they actually had it there um, in the library. Oh, this uh, particular book? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. No, I never actually read the comic book with... Um, Horror comics weren't really that easy to get over here, um, except for a couple of ones, but again, French or Belgian, probably. Um, yeah, the, I, I've never really read a horror um, comic book up until... Um, I can't even remember. Probably Lock and Key or something. Yeah, and which is interesting enough, uh, Lock and Key is written by Joe Hill himself, uh, Joe King, and yep. uh, it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the things that we would like to uh, talk about on this show sooner or later. Um, this uh, particular uh, movie, uh, Creep Show, actually spawned a sequel, uh, Creep Show Two, and there is a Creep Show Three. However, that has nothing to do with Stephen King, Romero, or anybody that had to do with the first two Creep Shows. Uh, I actually have not finished watching it because I watched the very first story and it was really <laughs> uninteresting to me at least. Um, it tries to keep the same kind of tone than, than the first creep show, but uh, it didn't really hit the mark for me at least. Like I said, I didn't even finish watching it. Um, there is what people consider creep show 3, which is actually Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Um, came That's from it. the same thing. Yeah, That's same a good one. Yeah, and it came from the same people. So uh, sooner or later, we'll get to Creepshow 2. We'll get to Tales from the Dark dark Side. Uh, I don't know if we'll do Creepshow 3, but we'll, we'll see. And there is actually a pilot out there. Um, I don't know. I've never been able to find it. Um, not really more because I haven't really looked for it. <laughs> but um, there's something called Creepshow Raw. Um, and it's a pilot show for a. they were trying to spin this off into a TV show. Um this is not the first time they try to do this. In 2008, this is not the first time they try to do this. They try to do it back back in the day and actually turn it into Tell from the Dark Side, the, the TV show. So Tell from the Dark Side, the TV show, is actually Creep Show, the TV show. They just could, for some reason or another, they couldn't use the name because of rights and so forth. Um, I believe they um, they decided to break away from the from the parent company or whoever had the rights there and they decided to make their own TV show and just named it Tale from the Dark Side. Yeah, uh, back then, you know, rights and properties were all very small companies, so that mm-hmm. was always horrible. That's why there's so many versions of these kinds of shows. Yeah. Um, because, you know, a small company 
sometimes only had one property, and as long as that made money, they weren't going to give that up for anything. Correct. Yep. So, um, like I said, uh, we'll go over Creepshow 2, tell them the direct side, and maybe even the TV series. Um, other things you can expect from, from us on, um, here on this podcast is uh, we're looking to see what uh, Nick had said previously in the um, introduction to, to the podcast is uh, do a new versus old, um, pretty much the original version versus the remake of, the, of a horror movie. We want to do some comic book um, reviews or, or catch-ups, uh, do anthology series, uh, including Tales on the Dark Side, um, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Night Gallery, Twilight Zone, all stuff like that. You know, We want to go ahead and, and talk to you guys about that. And, of course, the uh, old-school horror movies, new-school horror movies, and so forth. And uh, hopefully we can get these out on a, a timely manner for you guys. But if uh, we do get a large enough audience that they want to ask us to review something, we'll be more than happy to, to do so. But um, with that being said, is there any last thoughts that, you, that you'd like to um, let the audience know, Nick? No, at the moment it's, um, it's yeah, we're just doing as many as these as we can. Um, I'd say if you have requests, just start sending them in now. At least yeah. then we can keep a record of it, and maybe we'll do one right away if we like it enough. Because um, <laughs> we haven't really planned out like the first forty yet or anything. No. So um, yeah, just send us anything. Um, you can reach us mostly on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way. Yep. You can. Uh, where can we get you? Get with you, uh, Nick. On at sickmindnick. And you can always get me at me with at perspective on uh, Twitter and Facebook as well. And uh, we'll leave it there. Um, we, like, I guess we could we say we enjoyed and we love Creepshow for what it is. Uh, maybe not be the best movie out there, might, but it's definitely one of our favorites. And we hope that you guys enjoyed it as well. And if you haven't seen it, we encourage you to go ahead and see it and uh, let us know what you thought of it. So th- this is, yeah, this is also definitely a movie that you'd want to go out with, a, you know, have a couple of friends there you know, have some fun and then watch this really bad movie just yes. for fun. That That's, like, one of the best ways that this movie can work for you. Definitely, definitely. Watching it with somebody else, it's uh, it's not the... I always feel like even just any horror movie is best to watch it with with a group of people. Uh, just It just helps the, the atmosphere to myself, for myself at least. Yeah. But um, let us know what you guys think, and we'll get back with you all as soon as possible with our next episode and we're not going to go ahead and say what's going to be because we haven't really decided what it's going to be <laughs> but uh we'll we'll um hopefully we can get these out in any timely manner for you guys we'll see you guys till next time take care